AMD held their analyst day, PowerShell 7 is here, and Microsoft's got a tricky challenge ahead. It has been a busy week around the tech neighborhood. There's a lot of people working from home recently. AMD held their analyst day yesterday, uh, which they did talk about consoles a little bit. And we'll talk about that here in the gaming section. Uh, Microsoft had a bunch of announcements otherwise, and Apple is doing some fun stuff or not so fun stuff with push notifications. So let's just dive in here. So one of the things I wrote up this week is that Microsoft is working on a new Cortana experience sort of thing, if you will. Uh, last week they announced that, hey, Cortana is pivoting. It's going to become the Microsoft 365 uh, kind of workhorse, backend, bot, whatever you want to think, whatever you want to call it. It's more productivity based than it is say, hey, play my music type thing. So think more enterprise, think more corporate, think more productivity, think less consumer. Uh, I had heard from people familiar with what's going on that it might be, that at least internally, it's referred to as the Microsoft 365 Assistant. We'll see if they ever come out with that name publicly. I sort of hope that they do because Cortana is obviously from the Halo universe, doesn't make a lot of sense. Microsoft 365 Assistant fits the, the mantra uh, a lot better than the Cortana branding, but we will see. But one of the features they are working on, it's under this kind of like commute banner looking thing, if you will. Microsoft has a feature called Play My Emails, which does exactly that, where your emails are played back to you so you can listen to them. Well, there's more th features that are coming, such things like Play My Calendar, I believe is, is being worked on. And then there's also details um, talking about, hey, um, the playback feature can recognize if there's a lot of visual content, meaning, hey, you should pull out your phone. Um, and you can think of other audible gestures that are pushing towards that play my email style functionality. Now that ties into a feature or some hardware that Microsoft announced last year called the Surface Earbuds. The Surface Earbuds were supposed to be released in the second half or later half of 2019. They never arrived and they were delayed until spring. And I believe that is because that commute or that playback feature was not ready yet. And remember those earbuds also allow you to like move between slides and some other productivity things. And so those features were not ready and that is why it was delayed. And we should be seeing that stuff later, uh, I believe this spring, at least they should be, Microsoft officially said they're not gonna be announced in the spring. Now, this leads nicely into the next issue. There is some problems going on in the Seattle area. There is an illness and I, really don't want to say the actual name because YouTube will really shove down your video on on the search results and it just doesn't it's not recommending a lot of stuff if you say that uh, in the in the text so I'm going to refer to the virus if you will uh, has been hitting the Seattle area uh, uh, Amazon announced employees have the illness Microsoft late last night said that two of their employees have the illness and so they've got, moved to a work from home model which is sort of interesting to show you the dramatic impact this is having that entire entirety of Microsoft in the Seattle area is now working from home and it's also it's probably reducing traffic it's probably doing a lot of other stuff um, but what this is is I'm curious how this is going to have a bigger impact on everything else, right? Microsoft is expected to have a spring hardware event, but if nobody's going into the office, it really is going to slow down productivity and tasks. While I'd love to tell you that everybody is a hi-ho on efficiency when they're working from home, we all know the deal. And not to mention in-person meetings absolutely do have value. And so if Microsoft is not gonna be meeting effectively in person for a month uh, on their campus, 
that is going to impact some of their deadlines and things will slip. So I'm curious if that is going to impact the launch schedule of the Service Book 3 and the um, some of that other stuff. Not to mention the actual development or building of that stuff is taking place in China more than likely. And uh, we know the story there around the uh, manufacturing lines and OEMs and all that stuff. So there might be some bigger things. The other thing which we still have not heard yet is if build is or is not happening. Google has already canceled IO, which takes place roughly the same time as build. I think they're like a week or two apart. And Build, obviously, is taking place in Seattle, which is like the, the epicenter now of uh, all the virus talk. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Microsoft does actually cancel that conference. I think it is the right move at this time, um, especially since they're not going into the office for a month. But we will find out. Uh, other things happening, Microsoft Edge is getting this uh, PDF annotation experience, which is good. Uh, one of the things that I really do miss from the old version of Edge, I was going to say classic Edge, whatever you want to call it, is that it really did have an excellent PDF reader. It really was good. And we don't have that in the new version of Edge. And so hopefully we will eventually get there. PowerShell 7 for all you PowerShell junkies out there is now available for Mac, uh, Mac OS, I should say Linux and on Windows. And it also is using a new version of .NET, which has increased compatibility with much older versions of PowerShell. So if you had an old script that wasn't working too well on PowerShell, I believe six, uh, it should work now pretty well on PowerShell 7, hopefully. Uh, Microsoft also showed off a tweak start menu this week. It's it kind of just removes some of like the live tile looking functionality. It's not like a major difference, but then Microsoft did come out and say, "Hey, wait a minute, live tiles aren't gone. It's just that Microsoft isn't really use, utilizing them. Live tiles effectively did die though when Windows Phone went away. That was the primary place and the most logical place to use them. Having them in your start menu to click and then you wait for it to turn over with info doesn't work so well on a desktop. But anyways, um, look for that tweak design to be rolling out. Microsoft also announced deals with NFL. They're, the NFL teams are now going to be using Teams. You know, make for that what you will. We'll see. I'll be curious to see how well they actually do use Teams. I don't know if we'll ever get, like, detailed insight of what the players... Like, I don't imagine, like, quarterbacks are going to be logging into Teams every day and, like, looking through all this stuff. But maybe they will. Maybe they will. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Uh, Apple has also announced that you cannot do ads via push notifications if you opt in. This one just feels bad. There's no other way to describe it. One of the reasons you kind of typically went with Apple stuff is that you didn't have to worry about notificate or advertisements and being stocked and all that and privacy first. Now Apple is saying you have to opt in and that will be allowed, but you know, that's the first step towards not having to opt in and then having to opt opt Intel. Ugh opt out almost started to read the next one so uh another thing this was like a big amd week because of their their analyst day but before we get into that uh intel actually has revealed or it was announced via security company that there's a new massive flaw that is jeopardizing uh the root trust of some of intel's chips and the vulnerability the vulnerability is apparently unfixable and impossible for antivirus software to detect Things you don't typically want to hear. We don't quite know the full scale of this yet, and I'm not even going to attempt to explain this one. Just know that there is yet another serious vulnerability in Intel's chips. Now, the one caveat here is that you actually have to have physical access to the hardware, which for most of us is not a big deal, right? Most of us don't have encrypted data that we can't, I don't know, live without or something or whatever. But the, the issue is, let's say you're a nation state and you have secrets on a, on a machine and then that machine just literally gets stolen. Well, they can now access a lot of the data that is on there. It's pretty sophisticated stuff. But it's yet again another issue at the chip level that is impacting Intel chips. And um, it's probably one of the reasons why AMD is coming out so strong this year. 
And so, like I said, AMD had their analyst day yesterday, and they talked about a lot of things. They talked about RDNA 2, they talked about a bunch of other stuff. On the non-gaming side, they did say that, that Zen 3 will arrive later this year, and that Zen 4, which is more than likely next year, or potentially second half next year, we don't know a launch date, uh, will be moving to the 5 nanometer. Currently, they are on the 7 nanometer um, size, and they tossed some serious shade at Intel during their event, saying things like, hey, we knew that uh, we were going to get the 7 nanometers. We didn't expect to be the market leaders there. They expected Intel to catch up and be at 7 nanometers. And obviously, Intel has had their fair share of issues getting to that. And to them, it was a nice surprise. They kind of expected that they would get there and Intel would be there and be beating or whatever, and then they found themselves in the lead. And it has worked out very, very well for AMD. Um, there's a lot of good stuff coming from Team Red, as it seems. So, uh, moving on to the gaming news. There's some good things that micro or Microsoft AMD talked about yesterday. First off, I want to point out, we know that the Xbox Series X is going to be using RDNA 2. What we don't know is what PlayStation 5 is going to be used. Now, AMD did not talk about uh, next-gen consoles in a very detailed way at all. First off... Uh, the rumors that there were going to be gameplay and all that stuff was absurd. I talked about that earlier in the week, and it becomes more absurd, too, when you realize that AMD accidentally put in a fake information into their last, like, kind of demo keynote stuff showing off the ports of the Xbox Series X that turned out to be false. And the, to expect them to come out and show off gameplay at the same was never going to happen, and hopefully everybody who listens and watches this channel uh, understood that and wasn't let down. But they did talk about RDNA 2, and what there's there's a key phrase here. There's a key phrase that was in the slides of AMD's product stuff. It says, RDNA 2 will have common architecture across consoles and PCs. So what the, I take from this is obviously we know Xbox Series X is going to have RDNA 2. We know that PC games will eventually have it, but I think this leads to the conversation that the PlayStation 5 will fall somewhere around that as well because they're talk they didn't say console but they said consoles meaning that it should be easy for people building PC games to bring that features and functionality over to consoles and vice versa obviously you're building for console bringing it over to PCs so it obviously we know that PlayStation 5 will have RDNA support we don't quite know the hardware capabilities yet and Sony has been pretty quiet on on all this stuff um, there was some more information in the uh, AMD slides. Now, this is not perfect, and you'll explain. I'll explain why here. But they did say that Xbox and PlayStation sales combined um, have been 150 million units, I think, since 2013. But is effectively they're saying that Xbox One and PlayStation Four have sold 150 million plus devices. Now, Sony recently said, "Hey, we've sold 100 million plus." PlayStation 4s, which means that Xbox is somewhere around the 50-ish million, which is about right. We've been saying for a while or hearing for a while, whatever you want to say, it's roughly a two to one ratio. Every two PlayStation sold, there's been one Xbox for this generation. And these numbers, again, kind of reinforce that. So roughly 100 million PlayStations, roughly 50 million Xbox consoles. It's right around there. So, uh, other gaming news is that Stadia quietly added 4K support in the browser. Now, considering Stadia hasn't gotten a lot of, like, positive great press lately, you'd think that they would be, like, shouting from the rooftops. I suspect that this has been a quiet rollout and that it was a feature coming potentially for the game developer conference is where they're going to announce it, and they're starting to roll that functionality out there. So, and, and also, Halo Combat Evolved is now available for the PC. So we're going to jump into the questions because I forgot to do them last week, but I did do them this week and there are a lot of good ones refreshing that thread. I always tweeted out the link about where to post this stuff so that it is easy to find on podcast recording day. Uh, Brian, Bryson Harvey says, 
In light of the looming pandemic, it seems like the go-to solution for companies to move to an ad hoc work from home environment, which requires some technical infrastructure. Would tech company, which tech company is best prepared to serve the growing needs? Microsoft with Teams, Office, Office 365, Google, um, or other Zoom, Slack, or Dropbox? So this is an interesting question because effectively what he's saying is that there, especially in the Seattle or the West Coast area, there's a lot more people working from home than we had previously seen. Now, working from home isn't that new, but having massive uh, bandwidth to be able to do that is new. So which company is best prepared? I would personally... I would probably lean towards either Google or Microsoft. Microsoft probably has the edge because they have the whole productivity suite, but Google is not far behind and they have a good suite of stuff. Realistically, I, I don't think bandwidth or is going to be the issue. It's going to be how well are and diligent are the employees to use the tools that are provided for them. It is great to tell people to work from home, but if they're just going to do email all day and avoid uh, phone calls and that kind of stuff, that, and then it breaks down. So my answer to that is which company is best prepared? I think the ones that are best prepared with the best documentation and the best, and the best outlines about how people should be working in the office likely can transition that type of uh, work ethic and mentality to work from home. Because in theory, you should be able to work from home just as easy as you do in the office. So if your office environment is poorly constructed, um, the work from home model will obviously break down as well. Uh, Mr. PKI says, with all the companies canceling in-person conferences, do you think this might be a shift in the industry to entire offering virtual conferences that are paid in the future? We're going to find out. This, I suspect that after this virus stuff settles down, it's not going to be the end of in-person conferences. There is significant value to actually going to an event, talking with people, um, interviewing people, etc. And business deals happen because of what happens at these events. That will not go away. But I do suspect that we will see companies thinking, ah, we could do these virtual events much easier and much more distributed in a much easier way and it cost us less money. I do think we will see um, a shift or this become a catalyst of companies at least thinking about it. I don't think Google I.O. and Build will completely go away. Um, there's also a lot of money in conferences. To be a conference vendor, um, to like go have a booth there is a lot of money. The people that put on conferences typically do quite well. So I can't imagine everything going virtual, but I don't think that this type of a scenario that we're seeing today is going to impact or slow down that transition at all. If anything, it'll expedite it. Uh, Rubber Duck says, great podcast, been listening for years and finally get to ask two questions. Thank you, Mr. Rubber Duck. Uh, might there be a future where even gaming and video editing side era will be better on a 10x PC? I mean, containerizing applications make a PC more performant. So that's a good question. There's definitely going to be a time. One of my biggest issues with Adobe apps that I use to edit all this stuff is that it crashes. Um, and sometimes it'll crash and it'll take the whole machine with it. So definitely from a, a stability perspective, we might see performance increases just because my whole machine doesn't take a nosedive because Premiere decided that, hey, we're not gonna render that video today. Um, will they be more performant than a native application? I That one's tough. That one's gonna come down to how well the CPU vendors can architect that type of stuff um, into their chipsets. I don't know if it will ever be more, what, I, what I'm trying to get at is I can't see it being, if you put a native app and a containerized app side by side on current generation hardware, I believe the native app will almost always be, have a higher level of performance. Now, could those containerized apps in five years from now be more performant than what we have on native apps today? That absolutely is the case. And the second question is this, could Microsoft in the future make a portable device that can be a classic Android device with telephony capabilities, as well as a Windows 10X device, for example, uh, connected to a screen keyboard and mouse, basically a new approach to Microsoft Continuum with Samsung DeX. 
Um, it, could they? Yes. Will they? I don't know. I think Microsoft is still very shy about building a true phone. And I say that kind of with a caveat. I know that they're building the Duo, but I don't foresee them doing a dual boot device. If anything, I would think what we would see in the future is potentially a Windows a Windows-based device that can emulate Android apps would make more sense. Granted, Microsoft have the technology, they build all that stuff they did, I believe disband those teams. But to me, that makes more sense than, I, I don't know, like it's tough because I think that's where they are going with the Neo style device. But now Neo is obviously much larger. It's gonna have more horsepower than the Duo. Microsoft doesn't want to build a future on Android. That is not their intent with the Neo and Duo. Their intent is to have both form factors, to have both OS's up and running, and also to have the best apps on those style devices. And that's why they're doing that. But do they want their future mobile-ish style devices to be Android based? I don't think so. I definitely think 10X will more than likely scale down more into that smaller form factor than it will scale up. Well, no, that's not true actually, because we've already seen documentation that says, hey, it's coming to laptops. It's a good question. It's a really good question. Uh, Bart says, uh, I have heard you talk about Microsoft Teams Skype Federation. Can you explain what this is exactly? I'm assuming some sort of interoperability. Is it on your wish list? Yes, so what I'm referring to is there is a feature on the Teams roadmap at this time that says, hey, we're bringing in Skype Consumer Federation into Teams. What that means is that you can be inside the Teams application and chat with people who are using the consumer version of Skype. Now, this is definitely on my wish list because of the way my company operates. We use a lot of contractors, we have a lot of freelance writers, and we're not bringing them into the org. I chat with them on consumer Skype. I guess I know there's ways to bring in people into teams from outside, but it's a pain in the butt, especially when the volume that we have. So what I'm waiting for is once that happens, then I can use teams for everything to communicate to internally and externally, which would be great. It's supposed to arrive this month. It's supposed to. Uh, Eisner says he's got a couple questions. I work for a small company uh, based in Seattle, but we don't have an office. We're all work from home. Never been happier. I agree. Uh, we currently use a combination of both Skype and Slack for internal communication and Zoom for both full team meetings and external client meetings. We're looking to transition over to Teams only as it is free with our office. Wow, you guys are paying for a lot of subscriptions. Um, as it's free with our Office 365 subscription. I'm curious as to hey, what problems BWW had when you guys tried Teams and if you have updated a timeline about Skype integration using Teams. Great question. It's like back to back. I did not intend this to happen. So the biggest issue is what I just outlined is that we use a lot of third party uh, or freelance contractors. That was our biggest issue when trying to migrate to Teams. That was, that was the big holdback is that what effectively happened is that we had to keep Teams and Skype Consumer open, and there wasn't enough benefit to keeping Teams open because Skype Consumer was fine. Um, uh, I know if you're in the alpha, uh, you're under NDA, but do you have any idea what the min specs for be for Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 and if the Azure support will help non-gaming machines run the sim? So yes, I'm in the alpha, and so no, I probably shouldn't answer those questions, sorry. Um, I did agree to that embargo. Typically, people are going to be like, that's ironic because you talk about things before Microsoft releases them all the time. Yes, it is. But I didn't sign an agreement saying I wouldn't talk about it um, at the time. So 
Uh, with regard to the Xbox Series X backward compatibility, have you heard if the OG Xbox and Xbox 360 games will work natively or if devs will have to update their games and resubmit them with the Xbox One backward compatibility? Would love to get NCAA football games running again. So here's what my understanding is that if it is currently supported backwards compatibility game, it will absolutely work on the next generation as is. There shouldn't need to be any additional um, compatibility checks per my understanding at the moment. I can never pronounce this person's name. Ingormak says, So I've been hearing uh, that we're finally getting Lockhart information next week. Uh, can you confirm if that is just a traditional console and not a hand? It's definitely a traditional console. Uh, that I know for almost for sure. I've, I've never heard Lockhart and handheld device mentioned in the same sentence, at least per my understanding. Uh, what do you think the reason is that there's so little information about it? I think there's so little information about it because Microsoft doesn't want the story to be that, hey, we're building this lower powered console. Um, the best guess at this time is it's somewhere around that four-ish teraflop mark, which isn't all that powerful when you look at the Xbox Series X or especially considering when you look at the Anaconda slash Scarlet uh, slash Series X, at which is at 12. So Microsoft doesn't want the narrative to be, hey, look, Microsoft is building this weak little old console. Now, it's definitely going to be, I believe, capable of playing 4K games, probably very similar to the Xbox Series X. But I think it's going to be more so for like the 1080p uh, type, maybe 1440p actually might make a little bit more sense, like that style. And then if you need true 4K60, you go up to the big dog. The reason why I don't think we've heard a lot about it is Microsoft has... A long runway up until let's say october ish when this console is going to launch based on historical traditionally microsoft has launched consoles around the october time frame so why shove it all out the door if you can do xbox series x and then you can come out and do uh, xbox series s which is probably what it's going to be called something along those lines um then you get a much longer pr runway right you get a lot more um, posts on the top of big websites. It's just a marketing strategy, I think is the reason why. And again, I think they want the Series X at 12 teraflops to be the primary point of conversation going into this. And so uh, Will says, with the, with the rumored upcoming Surface Book 3 to mainly be an internal update and not much of redesign, I wanted to see if you heard if they will be releasing a black version in addition to the current magnesium gray. I have not heard anything about colors, so I don't I don't personally know about the colors yet. Uh, both the Pro and Laptop come now in black, and the book may get this color as well. I personally hope that it comes in black. They keep, I don't know how well this is going to show up. It's charging right now. Well, it was charging. I mean, this is the black laptop. I think it looks great, although on this video, it looks just like a black blob. Um, but I personally think it looks great. So that is a personal anecdote. Uh, I hope it comes in black, but I personally, I do not know yet. Sydney 2K says in the recent, uh, in the recent tech reveal of the series X, Phil mentioned that the consoles were part of a take home program. I am assuming that the take home program is a program to trial Microsoft products, such as the series X and the service Neo Dio, Neo and duo in the wild to test them under the home and work conditions. Do you know much more about this program? What does it say about the release date of the products if they're already in the program? So that's, so he's right. Microsoft has an internal program where employees can sign up and say, hey, I would like to trial the Xbox Series X or the Surface Neo or the Surface Duo or, or Xbox Lockhart. You know, pick whatever your product is. And then Microsoft will pick some employees and say, hey, yeah, here, come get your product. You can go take it home and you can go test it and you can go play with it. That is exactly what it is. It's called a take home. Obviously, Phil Spencer is allowed to take home the Xbox Series X. Uh, Frank Shaw, the head of communications for Microsoft, recently tweeted an image about his work from home um, setup and showed off the Duo. He didn't show off, but just the outside of the device. 
So Microsoft allows these people to take them home. It is that that happens when they are ready to start validating real world testing scenarios. When it is almost always after the product has been announced on occasion that will not, it'll happen before then. It's almost always after a product has been announced. And so um, it just means that they're getting it ready for release. It's not always indicative of the product is going to launch in like the next four to six weeks. That is not, I know that's probably where you're going with this. Like, hey, if they're doing take home, it should be available in X amount of, sometimes these things sit in gestation for an extremely long time. So don't try to draw lines between it's in this phase and it's going to really be released soon. But I can tell you that if it is in the take home phase, they're getting fairly confident that the product is going to actually materialize and they will actually ship it because Microsoft sometimes does not ship things. Uh, Side Choker says, hey, Brad, hope you're doing well. Hope you are doing well too, my friend. Uh, so my questions are, do you think that the Surface Duo will support 120 or 90 hertz uh, when, or do you not think it will ever happen? So he's referring to the, the refresh rate of the display. If you've ever used a display that has 90, especially going from 60 to 90 is a pretty big jump. And obviously 60 to 120 is big, but a 90 hertz display looks really nice. 120 hertz is a nice buttery smooth. If you're not familiar with it, Apple uses the term promotion, uh, or you can look at it like a 144 hertz gaming monitor. That is the style of, of fluidity that it is moving towards. I have not heard if the Duo will support that. Considering it's a first-generation product, I'm going to go with it probably doesn't. Any other Surface product that will support high refresh rate in the future? Um, the Surface Pro might be on there. So I had heard that Microsoft was working on a new display for the Surface Pro 8, which is coming um, this year. And that might have a higher refresh rate display. I'm not, not positive on that yet. Uh, and said, so it is rumored the Surface Duo may come in the summer. Do you think it is early and they can get the feedback to work as possible on a second version? I've seen the rumors that they actually came from Zach. Zach's typically not, you know, making things up. So I believe when he says, hey, it might come this summer. I have not heard the release date at this time. If Microsoft is, you got to remember, they're not building the OS. They're basically building the hardware, which Microsoft has a lot of expertise at. And then they're building a skin and some features on top of the hardware. But you got to remember, there's tons of foldable devices already out there. So Microsoft isn't really reinventing the wheel here like they were or like they are with the Surface Neo. So it's much easier to ship Duo than it is Neo because Microsoft isn't doing the full stack there. It very well could be that the Neo or the Duo is ready to go. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Microsoft's been working on it a while. You can even look at the internals, which are a little bit aged, to say, hey, Microsoft didn't just pull this out of a hat and say, we're going to build this thing. It was already built and ready to go at one point, and now they're just refining that software. Uh, BDSRF says, hey, Brad, quick cue. Will the Surface Pro 8 have a headphone jack? I'm worried it, it won't because the Surface Pro X doesn't have a headphone jack. Good question. I don't know. The reason why I would think that it would is that it's, it's a PC. It's a tablet. It, yeah, it's kind of a tablet, but it is a PC. It's, it's a laptop style-ish device. If it doesn't have a headphone jack, it'll be disappointing. You are right. The Surface Pro X does not, and that could be where they're headed. It's going to depend on how thin Microsoft goes. The, I'm looking around for my Pro X. Oh, it's over there. Um, it's going to be tough to, to make that happen if the device gets too thin because headphone jacks are pretty thick. So, uh, Usman says, with regards to the Duo, are they seriously considering it releasing it with last year's spec? This is what I was just saying, that it's been around for a while. And no 5G is a cost-saving measure to use last year's Snapdragon. Uh, how did Samsung get away, do it with the Z Flip? So, the reason why it's using last-gen specs is because that's how long this device has been in development. If they want to use the latest chips, then they have to do some significant reworking of the actual PCB, right? You can't, you can't just pull the chip off and just drop the new one in. It, it doesn't work that way. Same with 5G especially. So if they were going to do that, it would. I would be surprised. That's 
I think they're just going to get this device out there and do a proof of concept, and then they'll come back with a later version. It's an easy rev. Say, hey, look, we, we launched with this. We got some good feedback, and here's what we're launching. We You guys said you wanted 5G, so we're giving you 5G. That type of generic marketing junk. So how did Samsung get do it, do with the Z Flip? Well, Z Flip, uh, well, Samsung obviously has a very, very, very good working relationship with Qualcomm. Samsung has almost always launched the first um, phones with the next gen chipset in the Samsung Galaxy lineup. So it, they probably just went and said like, hey, we'll launch with that. And Qualcomm said, hey, we'll make it happen. So there you go. Uh, Sherlock Holmes says, I saw, hi Brad, I saw an ad in Office 360 Home fa- ha- Office 365 Home for the first time today. I did a post in the forum with a pick on it. Do you know anything about it? Is Microsoft doing the same stuff in Office as they do with Windows? I would suspect so. Microsoft is not shy about advertising their own products inside of their own um, service and subscriptions. They've already got you. That is, it's just what Microsoft does. You got, there's not much else you can say about it. That is just what Microsoft is doing going forward. So, all right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. I appreciate everybody hanging out, dropping the questions. Um, you know, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.